Hi, I'm Ulysses, and this is Music, Meaning, and Mystery, a podcast for the other musicians. This month's guest is Zamboni Funk. Zamboni is an astrologer and a musician, and we have a very interesting discussion about the future of music. I suggest you go to ZambonifUnk.com to find Mr. Funk's products, his astrology, his music, and more. Now for our conversation. Yeah, I've felt a shift uh, in the last two years, uh, possibly before that, but I definitely feel like we might be moving in some sort of uh, Mm post-industry type Mm -hmm. of space. you know, it's these things move slowly because, you know, it's the speed of history. But uh, mm-hmm. do you agree with that? Or do you see things differently? Uh, where do you see kind of music? Which what's the direction music is going in? Hmm. Well, OK, so I think that there are there are a few interesting directions to go with this. The The first inter- the first and most important direction to think with is that uh, it's very difficult to make music or, or to make money by selling records these days. So that is just a fact. Even even like major labels are not really making that much money. Like if, you, if you're going to make any money at all, you're going to do the Adele move, which is to uh, because vinyl is outselling everything else these days for like audio, audiophile kids. And so um, so what Adele did, and the only reason I know this is because my homie, uh, shout out Nick Balaban, who is trying to make an album, he's trying to press some vinyl, and he was in line to do that. He And there, there are only like four companies in the world that do that. Um, and so he was in line to do that. And then Adele cut the line and just like took all of the, the vinyl in the world, literally all of the vinyl in the world started going to Adele production. And so, uh, but yeah, that's the move, you know, like if you're going to sell records and make any money at all, you're going to do it on vinyl. And so because that is so inaccessible uh, to to the everyman, like and this this dude, Nick Balaban, like he's not he's not like just a regular schmo like uh, like me and you, you know, he's like got a a little bit of celebrity into his own. He uh, he wrote the theme song to Blue's Clues and stuff like this. Right. So he's like, you know, he's he's not he's not a nobody the way that I'm like kind of a nobody. But um, he is. But but yeah, so this is this is so um, not like the idea of selling records is just not happening anymore. So what are we going to do instead? Well, we can stream. But, um, you know, like if you if you get on Spotify, then you need like a million streams or so, or more in order to just like pay for the cost of uh, recording that song. So it's and a million streams is not easy to come by. And so then so so just making your record is not a way to make money anymore. Right. And this is this is part of the whole, you know, uh, independent moment that we're living in right now you know and it's not just music that's this way you know all every all the things have to be sort of like uh, your own independent production you're you're sort of responsible for your own uh whatever it is you know if you want to do a podcast or any other audio recording you can do that but that means that you need to figure out how to engineer some audio and you need to figure out how to do an rss feed and all this sort of stuff right you need to do that independently yourself so it's that way in all of the creative avenues videos are this way uh on youtube and whatnot 
um, blogs and and newsletters and and all sorts of written content are this way. So that it's very much about the the individual's independent production. So with that in mind, music follows that suit as well. And so you can do it at home, you can make your music at home, but that means that you also, so you don't have to wait on a record label to, to decide that your music is good or that your music is, is valuable and worth putting uh, out into the world. You don't have to wait for that anymore. You can just make it yourself. But it also means that you kind of have to make it yourself. No one's going to come in with a like no major label is going to come scoop you up and and make you into Jimi Hendrix or whatever it is, right? So so with that in mind, what are we going to do in this life, right? So that's really interesting and worth exploring for sure. The other thing that I think is really the other avenue that I think is worth exploring and that is really interesting is that we are in a historical moment wherein we are witnessing the fall of the Anglo-American Western Empire. Whatever you think is going on right now we are absolutely witnessing the end of something major uh, a major cultural moment that major cultural moment included things like jazz and hip-hop and the whole the whole american music uh industry which then went on to colonize the rest of the world we see hip-hop showing up in places like saudi arabia and and you know very disparate places that are not the projects in the Bronx, right? And so, um, and so, and we've seen things like pop music and R and B and all of this sort of stuff really sort of take the world by storm. And so then now, as we are witnessing the decline of American cultural influence in the world, what does that mean for the music production that is now about to happen in the world? We're about to see, um, you know, there are some models that posit that Beijing is going to be the financial capital of the world in 2032. So if Beijing becomes the financial capital of the world in 2032 and remains that way for 305 years or so, according to some models, then there's going to be a cultural zeitgeist that is more likely to sound Chinese or Beijing-ish, right? I don't, I don't want to, I don't necessarily know about nation states or whatever, but it's likely to sound more that way than American. But that, I don't think that it means that we just like switch, we just like flip a switch on it. You know what I mean? Because even in China, they have rappers, right? And so we're gonna, we always have to start where we are. So we're gonna start with the, with the Anglo-American uh, music production moment and then move from there into a more is it gonna is it gonna sound more chinese is it gonna sound is there gonna just be more room for what is now considered world music um you know just music from other nations that doesn't like necessarily hit the um the the three minute form are we gonna see other um harmonic systems showing up you know like there's the there's the 12 tone uh, Western scale, which comes from the Gregorian, you know, um, which started out was what is it like six tones or something like that, the Gregorian ones, and then and then that sort of developed into the twelve, and then uh, you know, so so that's the Western history of music. But they, but in Asia they have a few different ones, right? In India they have um, harmonies that are not uh, rooted to that twelve tone system in uh, Indonesia they have a whole system of like bells and stuff like that that like um that doesn't get a lot of play so are we going to see these kinds of things uh 
let's see, holding a greater cultural cachet in the in the world that we're about to inhabit. I think that that's a great possibility. And so with both of these two things in mind, both the cultural moment uh, of the whole world, the whole historical moment, as well as the push toward independent production, like this leaves us in a very interesting space where I think that there's, we are likely to see a great diversification of what is, of what goes on. Um, You know, like, it's interesting because at the same time we are witnessing the the sort of uh consolidation of mainstream media and so so if, at, i don't think celebrity and stardom is immediately going away you know what i mean and so I don't I I don't know, <laughs> you know, I don't know what's coming next necessarily, sure. um, but it but I do think that it is um, likely to be diverse and um, and diffuse. I don't you know, there'll there'll still be, you know, you'll still get your Taylor Swift's and, you know, your your global pop stars and these kinds of things that are that are pushed by the major money. Major money's not going anywhere, right? Like mm-hmm. the we may be witnessing the fall of empire or whatever like that, but like we're not getting rid of the global elite or anything like this, right? Sure. And so those folks are gonna continue to push mainstream music and and whatever. And so we're still gonna see those global pop stars and this kind of thing. But in the era of the internet and you know immediate media dissemination and all this sort of stuff then uh we're already witnessing the diversification of the music field and i i would only expect more of that i'm trying to think what that means kind of behaviorally for musicians and i'm thinking Mm -hmm. if there's less uh, big money support that means more necessity for local networks yeah i mean all the time everything right yeah and more necessity for like us to kind of coagulate. Mm. Mm. Sure, yeah, in a spirit of togetherness, you know, there the idea of, I think one of the things that um, the whole uh, 2020 crisis narrative moment showed us was that uh, live streams are not as fun as live shows. And, you know, everybody got on the live stream train and was like, we're gonna, this is how we're gonna do it. And it's just, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't have the same effect as live shows. And so as we see, you know, so if you're not going to make money by uh, like getting on a label, but you're still going to make music because that's part of the human condition. That's what people are here to do. That's part of what people are here to do is to sing praises unto the heavens or, or, or sing about booties, whatever. Like they, that's what we do. Right. Um, Both the same really. True indie. <laughs> better tell the truth. But, um, but, you know, so because people are still going to do that and because we still need to like, uh, make it worth our time and all this sort of stuff, what kind of things are we going to do in order to make it economically viable? Well, selling tickets to shows because shows are still worthwhile in some kind of way. That is a thing that you can do, or you can sell merch or something like this. Right. And so this is very much what's going on in the community. You know, like, uh, my whole thing that I do, I, I haven't made very much money this way as a musician, a, a little bit, um, but the 
the way that I make money as an astrologer in large part is it comes from donations. You know what I mean? Um, the community of people who support me, the regular people who just appreciate what I do, send me five, 10. Sometimes it, it the, the, the donations get big. Sometimes somebody will send me 80 bucks or something like that. And, uh, you know, feeling like that, you know, generally those are people who have been watching my content for a long period of time who have gotten a certain amount of value for a period of time and i continue to make the content and they're like wow thank you so much and they give me this large sum or like or something like this but even um the the three or the five dollars that sort of situation that sort of grassroots level support from everybody the 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 crowdsourcing kind of situation is very much um you know if we're thinking about community support and that kind of thing, it's very much, you know, if you put your $10 on somebody's Patreon, then you directly support the production of that content because you like it. And, um, and I think that we're going to see a lot more of that. I would love to see it happening in local communities, like uh, local place-based geographic communities. That is difficult though because we're also in a moment where we are uh, people who are deeply culturally divided people who have uh finally found friends who are interested in the same things as them like if you are the baddest knitter on your block but nobody around you knows how to knit but then you get on etsy and everybody else is knitting up a storm and you're like oh my god these are my people right um then and those are going to be the people who are going to be more likely to put $10 on your Patreon than um, your neighbors who might be in the same geographic location as you, but who might not be interested in the same niche, you know, uh, industrial post-punk that you fuck with. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's something in there. There's this thing I've been playing with about the the religious character of music on, on several levels like on the esoteric level how music is just weird um mm -hmm. and strange and and induces certain uh states of consciousness that i would characterize as religious but also just like again behaviorally um like the live show uh being like a like a ceremony or a liturgy uh, mm -hmm. And then the merch being kind of an identification with that mm. faith genre, if you like. Um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to to figure out like the all the little ways that music will start to fit into a community or how we can kind of nudge it that way. Because um, I've I've like during the whole lockdown thing here in Canada, um, there was one band actually from my now hometown uh, that decided that they would uh, just put together a van that they could turn into a live venue uh, because the, all the live venues were shut down mm -hmm. and they just traveled around uh, and just knocked on people's doors and asked if they wanted a live show. <laughs> Totally. Uh, yeah, to this is that this is what I'm saying about the the diversification and the the like indie like you it's on you to do it yourself now. Yeah, you know, you yeah. you want a live venue? Great. Soup up your van then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To be fair though, I mean they weren't industrial post punk. They were just a pretty straightforward rock and roll band, so they sure. were able to have that appeal uh, a little bit more like a, a a wider appeal so that got them more yeses. 
Sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just making me think, or this other lady I talked to who um, decided to keep her open mic live and she just took it to the park in Montreal. Mm. Love it. Uh, yeah so there's there are ways of circumventing you know these these obstacles that we're facing i'm just kind of trying to push that button because i think i have a bit of a tendency to become pessimistic <laughs> <laughs> so i'm trying to you know to feed off of uh, what you're you're kind of putting out there as like okay there's a world of possibility um we need to go go make something happen we need to go make connections with people uh, yeah, the local thing, that's definitely a pickle. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's continuous, it's ongoing, you got to do what you can do, you know. Um, and I think that in this cultural moment, we are often encouraged to fear our neighbors as well, uh, yeah. because perhaps they're not interested in the same niche things that we are. And so there's, uh, there's a feeling of like, some kind of divide that we can't cross that we can't speak to those people or uh or that they'll never relate to us or or these kinds of things as well and so um even though i do think that it's true that uh there so like in my case there are not that many astrology nerds in my immediate location right i live in middle america there's just like not that much of that going on around here um and definitely not at the super like heavy scholarly level that people like Austin Kopic are coming coming with, you know what I mean? Um, and so there's, there's always going to be a demand for that uh, niche stuff. But that doesn't mean that I can't relate to my community here, because my community here is likely still interested in things like fortune telling is likely still interested in things like music is likely still interested and i play like pop music you know so like the the kind of music that i play has a has wide universal appeal as well i i didn't go down the noise rock uh, or like math rock route although i thought about it and i i'm pretty into like music gets mathy at a certain level and i'm like into the math situation there yeah. but um but i you know but i use the math in order to make it like sound smooth and easy and so mm -hmm. so I, I it's easy for me to sort of get into that direction or whatever but yeah you know like the people who are in my immediate vicinity are likely to still be interested in the base things that humans are interested we also are going to continue always to eat food and drink water and need hugs and shelter and gardening and things like this right and so what you know i really love the farmer's market for always putting on a little hoop nanny when they're yeah. when we're there you know what i mean like i i i love that you know i and a hoot nanny is not necessarily where i shine myself but that but it it's still a welcoming environment where i can go and get my little you know swiss chart or whatever and and enjoy the vibes with everybody you know what mm -hmm. i mean and so we can still we can be together while at the same time uh you know connecting internationally in this kind of thing as well it, it's a it's a pickle for sure um but we got to do it it's a new thing too we're all learning mm -hmm. yeah as we brand new yeah mm. mr funk at yes, sir. what point in your life did you realize that uh, music was something infinite <laughs> when did i realize that it was infinite um 
I never really thought of the infinity of music before. Um, so this is the moment right here, is it? Maybe <laughs> Where we it seeing, might be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, some sort of initiation here. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. You know, it's a, it's a little. This is sort of like the, uh, the fish being asked about water. You know what I mean? Like what water? Like of, of course it's in, there. There could not possibly be a limit to the permutations of even if we didn't do anything except uh, twelve letter harmony and and that sort of stuff like even if that's all we did there could not ever possibly be an end i mean even jazz shows us really well how like you can take that same old autumn leaves and you can remix that a thousand different ways and it, you don't even have to change the key but you can change the whole you, you know like you you can put your soul into it in a different way today than you did yesterday and so the the limitlessness of it is immediately apparent at all times, you know? And so I don't, I don't know that I ever really um, thought of that before. So what's uh, attracted you to music then? Sure. Well, I, um, I'm from musical people. My dad was a musician. Um, he, was a, he was a percussionist. He was a pitch percussionist. He used to play marimba and vibes and stuff like that. Um, and then um, my, yeah, just like, it, there's there's lineage on on up the lineage my great grandfather was a famous uh, saxophone player he played two saxes at the same time tommy douglas is his name you like find him in jazz textbooks and shit like that um so the so that and then also on my mom's side there's like a lot of singing and this sort of stuff so um music has always been the thing for me also i grew up in church and um so there there has never been a time when i wasn't singing praises unto the most high except when i i like for a minute there i lost religion but i never lost music in that and i and i think that the uh you know the some of the most important spiritual experiences i ever had especially as a youth were included music um because like i was i was a serious music musician always i was like in the youth choir when I was a kid. And I was like, these jokers need to stop playing. And they put me into the adult choir. I was like seven years old or something like that, but I was ready to go to rehearsal and pay attention and do all the things and like, you know, sing at that level, um, you know, at the at the grown up level, even when I was a child, cause I was serious about it. I really wanted to do the thing. I wanted it to sound good. Um, you know, like at that time I was like bumping the shit out of MC Hammer's You Can't Touch This. I just loved MC Hammer so much and, um, it's good, and so good, I, it's a good song. I'm saying, you know what I mean? <laughs> and and it was before I had heard about Rick James and all this. And then somebody put me on to Rick James also on uh what, what is that tune? Uh super freak. Super oh, freak. Yes, She's yes. super freaky. <laughs> right. And like and that just like blew my whole shit up, right? And so I wanted to, I wanted to sound good like that. And I was doing heavy uh, Kurt Franklin and God's Property and all that at that time. So I was like super into gospel music, and I, and I knew that where I was, the lineage that I was a part of, the tradition that I was a part of, could put on not only like to me, it wasn't about an amazing show because an amazing show was the same thing as a, a, an important or significant spiritual experience. Those things were slash are the same thing. Okay. 
Yeah, you m- mentioned about uh, music and church, gospel music, um, mm-hmm. something I've been very interested in. Um, I not not so long ago I discovered. Um, well, I'd, I'd known that Elvis uh, was, you know, Elvis's success was largely due to like um, black Americans uh, basically teaching him his moves. Um, he said he learned his dance moves at uh, a church at a, his Pentecostal church. Yeah, and the, so the gospel music is something that's been interesting to me. Um, well, so actually, I'm making the assumption that you were going to a, a black uh, church. Is maybe I'm mistaken? No, no, no. You're right. I, I say Kirk Franklin and all that. I, maybe you don't okay. know who Kirk Franklin is, no, but I, I, I but I did give you the I. I I gave that to you. Yeah, you gave me the whole vibe there. Yeah, yeah, it was a gospel moment for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, can you tell me, uh, like, if if you're cool with that, uh, like, what when I listen to it, something about that type of religious music is is distinguished from from anything else uh, in the like Christian kind of Mm -hmm. spectrum of options. Well, what's What's going on here? Like, what? What is? Why is it? Why is that? It's thing that's not like other things. Mm-hmm. Well, so that question: Why is gospel music special among Christian musics? Um, it really begs the question: What is going on with race? You know, like, what is it about? And it, and more importantly. So when you when you say something about race, then you think we're going to start talking about black people. But really, I think the issue here is, <clears throat> excuse me, and I think the issue always when it comes to race is with white people. So like whiteness as a concept, Gordon White talks about this a lot, um, and he actually doesn't talk about it, but in, in these terms, but he talks about a world without sin. So a world without sin is the um, the sort of ideal that the manager class speak uh, is pushing toward, right? This idea that we will some that we will arrive in a world where there, the the bad thoughts and the bad actions and this sort of thing have been sort of regulated out of it, and um, that that sort of ideal. Um, you know, the, the idea that we can manage our way out of impurity or, or badness happening in the world, right? And so then we get into ideas of white as pure or white as not that bad stuff and then other, right? And so other turns into Black people and it's not exclusively Black people, but um, that, that then turns into the whole like transatlantic slave trade and, and all this, right? So this idea that whiteness is something that is pure and is away from the bodily or the right, because there's this idea of like spirit versus body and spirit is pure and body is putrid. Um, and so the, the idea or putrid's not the right word. Um, foul. It's a, it's dirty. It's the wrong thing. It's bad, right? Body is um, the the wrong way to go. So if you have, and, and they call it the uh, like pleasures of the flesh or this kind of thing, right? Flesh is not the way that you want to go. You want to go pure spirit and spirit 
and purity is associated with whiteness and white skin and and all of this whereas uh flesh is associated with blackness and dirt and brown things and 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 shit and and all this sort of stuff right so then as white people culturally all the, all the way around not just in the music but white people sort of move away from the flesh whatever that is and black people at no point have the option of moving away in the because they they black people even at the point where black people are assimilated into christian faith and are are you know like are made to believe in the purity of whiteness and all this sort of thing because of that even then black people never really have the option of being pure and so are always necessarily rooted in this place where there is flesh where there is um there there is this kind of like uh the, it's called soul a lot in in musical terms or in cultural terms but there's a but there's a just kind of a realness a groundedness to it which comes through in all aspects of the culture because it uh, because it necessarily nestles in that space and so that's what, part of the reason why I call myself Zamboni funk, because I come from a tradition of funk, right? Funk is that P-U, it doesn't smell good. It's the smell of sex. It's the smell of shit, of bodies, body odor, this kind of thing, right? The thing that is cast off by that which is pure, the thing that is disgusting in some ways, right? We're going to come out here and we're going to twerk. We're going to shake our booties in front of faces because we fucking like it, like this sort of thing right which is cast off this always stays a part of the the sort of uh black cultural expressions even in church and even in uh you know like in in all of the ways and then church music goes on then to uh influence all of the baddest black musicians all came out of church myself included but all all the way back you know like you can look at james brown you can look at how james brown learned what he uh did from the pastors that of his church you can look at uh people like elvis who learned from the greats of his time people like chuck berry and um you know like just all the 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 rock and roll greats that came from the blues thing so robert johnson also came out the church but robert johnson is famous for having made a deal with the devil so robert johnson went straight into the heart of impurity or the flesh the pleasure is pleasure thing right he went straight into that to generate a kind of music that would then go back in to church and to the the cultural uh machine you know so now we get stuff like um, like Christian rock, for example, you know, and Christian rock still, so Christian rock has got that like backbeat, that same two and four, that two and four comes out of jazz, which is from the, the, you know, blues tradition. So this, so that two and four, that backbeat comes from the devil. And yet we come in to find it in uh, Christian rock as well. And so, um, and it's the, that's part of what whiteness is as well, right? So um, whiteness sort of like breaks off and wants to be pure and away from things, but then that becomes isolating and that becomes a vacuum. And so then that doesn't feel like it's real or like it's something like, like I, it, it's worth doing. And so then whiteness then goes on to grab on to other things. We can see this in uh, Crowley. Crowley goes into uh, India being like, white religions are whack. So let me go and find the real shit out here with the Vedas, right? So we see this kind of thing, this kind of cultural appropriation is what it's called these days, 
but we see that kind of thing going on because of the vacuum, the, the sort of hunger that purity, the world without sin creates. Yeah, that's a, that's a big piece to chew on. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you ask why questions. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for sharing all of that. I've been, uh, so in this research project about music, I just recently started bumping up against sort of this, like with the, when I discovered this Elvis thing, like I'd known, but like the granular of it, you know, kind of brought it to life for me. And uh, I also had a conversation with uh, uh, Hukan and that uh, brought me to like the musical history of Haiti. Hmm. And I've just started kind of scratching the surface on that. And there's this whole thing that I've realized that I don't know anything about. Right. So, yeah, I appreciate you kind of taking me on this on this trail. Um, sure. Very coherent. And <laughs> yeah, it's going to have to be I can't really follow that up with a question. I'm just going to have to kind of think about that. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna be able to to do any <laughs> unpacking of that. Sure. It's just it's just too big. Yeah. Is there anything that you would have liked me to ask you about that I that I didn't? Uh, well, I made some new music recently that I'm oh, cool. very proud of that uh, I would like people to know about. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, so. I have the, um, so I guess as a follow on from what we've been talking about up to this point, I, part of the reason why I've thought so deeply about this whole subject is because I am a mixed race person. So my dad is black and my mom is not, she's other stuff. My mom's half white, half native American. So there's like a lot of shit going on there. And then, um, so, so I started out in a black church and then my life got weird in a lot of ways. And so I didn't, I, I don't um, sort of make standard straight ahead American R&B soul music. Um, so when I, I like lost my religion for a little while and, but like stayed with music. And then when I stayed with music, then one of the great influences that came to find me was reggae music. And so reggae music is church music but it's Jamaican and they smoke weed. And so I was like, all right, well, let, let, let's see what this is about. And I really liked it. I, I just love that music. To my mind, it's where a lot of the really sophisticated syncopation happens. And um, it's re it really sort of like this idea of the backbeat. I really, I come back to the backbeat all the time as the one of the major things that uh, African diasporic music brings to the table there are two main things one is uh dividing rhythm into threes rather than just twos and then the other is the backbeat so when once we get the backbeat then it sort of uh gives us a whole it, it gives us a foundation to work with and now at this point in the game a lot of times because i'm a bass player a lot of times i'll just put a metronome on and it'll give me the backbeat and i can make a coherent tune just by having that like backbeat that'll just keep us rooted. So now we know where the key, where all the all our time is and then we can orient to that without anything else, without any kick drums or anything else, right? 
This is a very major musical innovation, which you can't really overstate. Um, reggae music, which has this chop, chant, 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 is how it goes. So then that's the backbeat layered on top of itself, right? And so there, there's this like kind of meta diasporic thing going on here, while it's also like the music of rock and roll and all this sort of stuff. Got really into it. So as I then I also moved to New York, and while I was hanging out with in New York, there's a lot of West Indian people in New York, um, a, a serious reggae scene there. I got involved in that scene and uh, got to know all the like baddest cats in that, in the genre, in that area. And that went on to really influence my soul music. And so now I've made some music that is really like, it's the, like this new tune that's out. It's can't, called Can't Help Myself. It's available on all the platforms. You'll be able to find it. Zamboni Funk, Can't Help Myself. You'll be able to find it on YouTube, on Pandora, yada, yada. Whatever your thing is, you'll be able to find it there. And um, this music is a soul tune. It's a regular old R&B tune. You know, you can put it on uh, a playlist with Anita Baker and it'll go real good. You know what I mean? But um, it is, it's not just that. Like the hi-hat pattern comes from reggae music. And there's a, there's a conga pattern in it that is Afro-Cuban as well. And so you, you've got those rhythmic threes showing up in a really deep and in, like sort of ancestral way, while at the same time coming across as a pop and R&B tune. I'm super, super proud of it. Um, it is, I, it's my crowning achievement up to this moment. People know me as an astrologer, but like I've been working on this music for way longer than my astrology career and i'm super super proud of the way that it turned out i think that it came out sounding like a pop tune so you won't even notice it but if you take the time and listen then you'll hear all of the all of the love that went into it and um and it's it's really deep and i'm i don't know i'm just real proud of it you know what I mean? cool. yeah it was, of course uh link in the show notes as always 100 mm-hmm. yeah. percent um i th- i think that's the one i found on spotify Mm-hmm. It's the only one on Spotify right now. Okay. Budget willing, there will be many more. But in in the meantime, that's that's what we got right now. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Um, traditional closing question for the podcast: What should people listen to? Ooh, Erica Badu. That's a good. However one. much Erica Badu you're listening to, quadruple it. Uh, challenge accepted. <laughs> There was a great episode of Being Mary Jane, um, which is the show that was on BET. I, probably none of your listeners will have will be familiar with it, but Gabrielle Union is the lead, and she's kind of a terrible person. She's going through this breakup, and throughout the and the it, the show is like hip, right? So there's like dope music in in all of the TV show or whatever. And but in this particular episode, she's going through this breakup. It's a really hard time. And the whole episode, all she listens to is Erica Badu. And it just like slaps. It's just exactly the truth that I actually live my life with. Oh, I love Erica Badu so much. <laughs> Don't put on Zamboni Funk. Put on Erica Badu.
Save you. 